Hello and welcome to the Hitman's Last Great Year, a Smack Attic podcast project. We are talking about Bret Hart's final year in WWF, ending in November 1997, beginning November 1996. I am your host, Matt Vaughn, and my guest co-host today, once again, is my own flesh and blood. Will Vaughn is in the podcast booth. Not the house. I have to correct myself. He's in a booth. He's in a podcast booth, and he's here. How you doing, Will? He's got the cans on. I'm good, man. I mean, we're we've we've uh, done four episodes in a row. We uh, did them all just yes. a straight shot through four hours of talking about Monday Night Raw, and this is uh, us in our last hour right now. So this is it. It's uh, you know, I feel like the folks are New Haven, Connecticut, a little impatient. It's the we're covering the December 9th, nineteen eighty six episode of Monday Night Raw. It is a taped show. It is the fourth show of a big taping night. We are at the New Haven Coliseum, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that episode, but Will, before I get to that, I'm just going to ask you a question. I got a question for the guests I like to ask each week. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, how many times would you guess Bret Hart challenged for the WWF World Championship on TV or pay-per-view? This is not defending the belt. It's just times where Bret Hart was not champion, and he was wrestling against um, the champion or other people for the belt. You don't have to... Don't think about it too hard. Just give me a number. I feel like it's actually not that many. I'm going to say... 10. Good guess it is 9. Okay. That so he challenges uh, he challenges uh, Ric Flair uh, in Saskatoon. That's actually going to be our bonus match tonight. We're going to talk about this episode of Robert Ooh. and our bonus match. We're talking bonus. about Brett versus bonus Ric Flair match. in Saskatoon from 92. He also challenged Yokozuna at Survivor Series Showdown 1993, a USA Network special. And guess what? I watched that match today because that is on the WWE Network. Uh, hey. and it's, it, it's a good Brett versus Big Man match. And then... Uh, Mr. Fuji comes and hits Brett with a bucket when he's not looking, and then Owen Hart comes down and he takes down Yokozuna and it ends up in a big schmoz. But that's yeah, another okay. one of the match. Um, WrestleMania 10, Brett challenges for the title. Uh, Brett challenges Diesel at Royal Rumble 1995 for the title. He challenges Diesel at Survivor Series 1995 for the title. He challenges Sid at, in, in your house. It's time, which is what we're going to be going into next week. Um, he goes up against three other guys for the vacant title in your house final four. He challenges against Sid on Raw in March 1997 and against Undertaker at SummerSlam 1997. That is nine times Brett challenges for the WWF title. Nine times. Nine times. So that is a little bit of a trivia there. And so, folks, let's talk about last week's episode, give you a little bit of context for this episode of Raw. On that episode, Shawn Michaels called himself a man's man. And there was a convoluted confrontation between Bret Hart, Psycho Sid, Steve Austin, and the British Bulldog in London, England. And we saw a bit of it multiple times. They kind of drew it out. They gave, they kind of dribs and drabs. And they were like, oh, something happened in London. And they showed some interviews. And they were on, like, camcorders. Uh, they got their, I don't know, I don't know what a good camcorder would be back then. Sony something yes, or other. Sony something. Handy then, cam. Honestly, I thought it looked, like, less than Sony quality, I'd have to say. Sorry, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, so let's talk about the good folks in New Haven, Connecticut saw before the show. Uh, nothing. There was no dark matches because they watched three frigging hours of show before this happened. Yep. And so, Will, let's talk about Monday Night Raw, the December 9th, 1996 episode, and then we'll have a bonus match afterwards, Brett versus Rick uh, in Saskatoon. So, December 9th, 1996, we begin with a video package of the Taker Mankind feud. There is betrayal at SummerSlam. There's burial at Buried Alive in October. There is rebirth at Survivor Series in November, and tonight it's no holds barred between Taker and Mankind. And that is it's a quick couple months for the Undertaker and Mankind. It's a lot going on, and like betrayal, burial, return, one after the other. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's betrayal, there's rebirth at one point. There's a reckoning, (laughs) I imagine. Uh, Some sort of it's all. It's funny because it's betrayal, burial, and rebirth. It's like those all could be 
like those are horror movie subtitles. It's like Friday the Thirteenth Betrayal, or you know, or, or like House or, subtitles, Alien Rebirth. Uh, pretty much it was a movie called that. Right. And then Will, after we see that little video package running through the the couple months they had, there's a strange warning, and it, that's it, strange. I think it's 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 purporting to be some sort of like network thing, but it appears to just be something that WWF just made at the time. Um, it's a screen that says warning. The following product contains action of a graphic nature. Viewer discretion is advised. Are they just trying to sell people on how gra- like intense the no holds barred matches? Cause there's nothing else to it. I wonder if it's a standards and practices thing, uh, that from the USA network or, or, you know, from, from whoever it's just like, and I saw that and I was like, wow, we got a, a mankind, uh, undertaker match. We got a Mick Foley hardcore, no holds barred match later on. What are they gonna, what's he going to do? Is he going to, is going to be flames? Is it going to be uh, barbed wire? We're going to have exploding, uh, panels in the WWF ring in New Haven, Connecticut after they yeah. watched flash funk versus the goon last week. <laughs> I can believe it. I yeah. thought it was going to be way. I thought it was like, at least going to be like, okay, we're going to get blood. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's what I expected. Was it what yes, we got? I, uh, we'll see. I would argue. Yeah. Not to spoil much, but the normal bar match, I would argue is not merit that kind of, uh, warning. Yeah. yeah, especially for say. the time. Like this is before. Uh, now there is a he's hardcore chant uh, from the front row. Um, oh wow! Okay. Yeah, well, there's a guy wearing a cactus jack t-shirt. These like yes. there's like five or six like smart fans uh, mm-hmm. in in this show, which is like oh awesome! I can't wait to see them take over every uh, takeover uh, in the modern era of wrestling and every uh, you know pay per view show is just full of the smartest, smartest wrestling fans you could think of. Yeah, oh man. It is that that Cactus Jack shirt kind of caught me off guard the first time I saw it. And I was like, wow. It's iconic, by the way. That the word gets thrown around a lot. I oh, yeah. I almost want that shirt just because I think it's cool and Mick uh again is like the antithesis of all these crazy characters he plays. I think Mick's pretty cool too. He's yeah. just a guy. He's just, just a, a well spoken, well thought out man. Yeah. He's he's, he's, he's just a guy in real life. And here he's this this insane figure. Uh, he's a kind man here he's mankind which is evil uh quite insane yeah first match psycho sid wf champion going against triple h the intercontinental speaking of insane yeah yeah belt for Um, belt here we go we see sid sid gets his sid park sparkler pyro in the ring where it's the word sid spelt out in in in, uh, little fireworks and it's delightful looks like kiss like lettering yes Exactly, and like I think he's supposed to be a babyface because they talk about the ovation and the crowd likes him, and he comes out and he does the fist bump of people, and uh, he's so sweaty. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it, it totally works. Um, Vince suggests to Jr. that um, you know Triple H is comparable to Bret Hart as a compare, competitor for Sid. It's like a warm up match ahead of the pay per view, so it's like okay, sure. Um, so Triple H gets attacked by Sid in the aisles as making his way down the ring, and. It's just a squash with the cop-out ending here, folks, because you get Sid comfortably military presses Triple H. And he even turns to smile to the camera while he's got Triple H over his head, which is this <laughs> great detail that he's not only smiling, but he turns to camera to be like, right, there's my camera. Yeah, here we um, go. There's a, there's a cam. He, he shoves Triple H out of the ring with one hand. Uh, he beats Triple H from pillar to post. He, he, he chokeslams him pretty strongly, probably one of the best chokeslams I've ever seen Sid do. And then Sid polishes off Triple H with a powerbomb, except Sid doesn't cover Triple H. Triple H just rolls out of the ring and gets counted out. And I was like, oh, that's stupid. Why not just pin? I know he's an Intercontinental <laughs> just... Champion, but you can't, you can't even be like, oh, you know, we need to, we need to keep, him, keep him strong. It's like he just got killed. It's one of those countouts, too, that's like he's out of the ring and they don't make hay out of the fact that ref's like, one, two, what are the refs doing in the days? He's, he's gone, you know? Like, yeah. That, that's a real countout. It's like, one, two, three, four, five. The, the fake countout's always like, what? Yeah, I always compare one of the ones. Sorry, here you go. Dude, 
Woo! There you go. Very, thank you, Will. Uh, there, at SummerSlam 2019, uh, it's, I think it was like um, a Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston match, and uh, they both end up outside the ring, and immediately you hear the ref go, one, two, three. And you're like, oh, this is a count out. Man, why is he, why is he, on, his, why is he on his business, that referee? Ugh. <laughs> why is he um, on his business? So, yeah, Sid, Sid looks pretty annoyed when Triple H gets counted out. It's also one of those things where you, you almost see him being like, why can't I just pin this guy? Yep. Why does that have to be the thing? Yeah. Um, during this match, this is where JR says that Shawn Michaels will be on commentary, and it's time. And so this is the time <laughs> where, for like t- for years, Shawn Michaels, if he's not in the main events, if he's injured or anything like that, he's still around and talking into a microphone near these things. They just cannot get away from Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he's got to be on the television show somehow. It's required. And so we we take it. We're gonna do, do some trips backs uh, to look at the pay reviews where uh, Undertaker and Mankind. Tangled. We start off with a boiler room brawl between Taker and Mankind back in August. Uh, it's so a half say, hour of uh, Mankind going, hissa, 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 backstage. Because yeah. uh, there's fall- no crowd noise uh, at the boiler room brawl. This is them fighting. I think there's no commentary, too. They they uh, they kind of learned their lesson to never do that again in some way. Obviously, with like some uh, some uh, pandemic stuff they did. But like now, when there's backstage stuff, you just hear the crowd as if the, it's happening directly in front of them. They happily pump in that noise. And they do. They do have these giant tube TVs they set up right next to the ring. You love uh, this detail. The people. <laughs> I love this detail. These giant TVs that are there. Yeah. I think it's great. They it is really funny. Out like it's, a, it's like, you know, time to watch a, a movie in class. They have to, like, wheel these giant TVs out. Oh, Will, a movie just like Goldust, of course. A star from Hollywood. And that's our next match here. We have Goldust with Marlena's going against Bart Gunn. Uh, Vince describes Goldust as bizarre, which is the only adjective you could legally use to describe Goldust in 1996. <laughs> He's bizarre. Yeah. Um, Goldust poses in the ring, and Vince says, "Goldust with his histrionics." His <laughs> histrionics. Such a he's such a big mouthed dork, Indy. Like Vince has so many like little word. Like it's so funny what he does. He talks about, and I remember this on TV weeks ago. Hunter was on commentary. Talks about his proboscis. Yes, he's like he's prominent he's proboscis, and and he's just basically just telling the guy, "Hey, guy, you got a big nose." But he's like, proboscis, <laughs> it's just some verbose histrionics. Oh, oh man, just he just and he just sprinkles it in. Uh, yeah, apparently uh, Billy Gunn got involved in a Bark Gun Triple H match for the IC title, Intercontinental title, I should say. Yesterday on Superstars, which caused a disqualification. Uh, he held Triple H pedigree bark on afterwards, kind of continuing this proto-DX movement they were go- doing. Uh, I guess all the uh, ill will between uh, Billy Gunn and Triple H last week when their tag team kind of exploded at the main event of Raw. I guess they're, they're kind of ignoring that or moving on past that. So there we go. Hey, man. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, you know? Big time. Even if my one of my enemies is my brother, Bart. Well, uh, Billy, we'll hear some words from Billy describing the situation later. Oh, it's great. Um, Goldust starts off the match by throwing gold dust into Bart's eyes behind the ref's Which back. Which is very obvious to the ref. The ref isn't like, why is he covered in gold glitter now? This yeah. is the time when Goldust wrestled. Every match after that, for every show after this, they, they're covered in gold glitter. Like They, they had no they solution were. for this. They never thought, let's just... Every time Goldust comes out, it's got to rain this gold glitter. It looks kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. And they do this like kind of like choppy film you know, 22 frames per second thing or something. Uh, but yeah, everybody's just covered in gold glitter for every match. Every for match. For like the entirety of 1997 96. Yeah, Barkun's back is like very gold for, towards the end of this, which is like, there you go. Uh, yeah, Vince says of Taker Mankind, you have never seen them no holds barred. 
She's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, we have. Several times. Yeah, there's no, no holds barred in a boiler room. There's no holds barred in a buried alive match. Buried alive match, the buried alive match essentially you have to kill your opponent to win. So you, there are no holds that are barred in that match. Paul Bear, you could accuse Paul Bear of holding the Undertaker back, and he was behind. He was barred uh, behind bars at Survivor Series, who was in a shark cage. So there's right. that as well, of course. I mean, he's he's he could, he's Paul Barr in a way. Oh man, <laughs> thank you. Uh, we're told Bret Hart will be interviewed later tonight. Uh, yes. King says he's going to do it, but Jr. says Bret only talks to him, and it's just Jr. Lawler just is like a running gag briefly. It's just like, can I talk to Bret? And Jr. is like, no. And Jr. does the interview <laughs> later, so it's just what a detail. <laughs> Uh, how'd that come up uh, we go to the back Billy Gunn is watching TV uh, he's watching the match on TV and he's watching it the way the rest of us watch things but then yes. it's like one of these weird moments he's watching the match and then, and then JR asks him a question and Billy responds and I was like this is weird this is like if you just it's... talk to a movie or something <laughs> very straight yeah it's like the movie talking back at you yeah it's like I don't should like should I this. go through this door no they do this all the time yeah they just have the guy there and then like some they're all of a sudden they're just talking to him <laughs> like he just turns around and like I'll tell you what I'm like what yeah, you're for it. It's like, that's that's strange. Um, Vince says that Bart is really making an impression in singles competition. I'm like, is he really making an impression in singles competition? <laughs> it's these things that, Brett's, that, that Vince says that we'll hear. He just says things you're kind of like, that's not true, Vince. Yeah, it's objectively a lot. Appreciate it. Um, Bart gets a, a, a bulldog for two. I think I, I, I describe it as a deadly bulldog because I think when, um, when they had the clip earlier of Triple H facing Bart Gunn on Superstars, Bart Gunn hits a bulldog, and JR's like, and that would have done it. That would have won the Intercontinental title. That's like, his finisher, yeah. Almost That's... as good as Rocky Maivia's sh- shoulder breaker. Oh, my gosh. Kind of insulting to do the uh, bulldog, uh, considering that was uh, Goldust's finisher in uh, WCW for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Bart misses a crossbody from the top. Goldust hits him with a chop block, and that's good enough for the one, two, three. It's Maybe one of the strangest finishes I've ever seen in a wrestling match. Is this Survivor Series 87? Like, this uh, is just so... Thank you. We talked about that last week. This is just so strange. <laughs> but just, I can't even, like... I did the 10-second skip back. Like, what happened? Uh, I did it twice, Will. Twice, I was like, is that all he seconds. did? Did he only do the chop block? Did he Did he maybe hit him with something? I was like, no, that's no. it. He just takes his knee out, and then that makes him go, totally, I fall and I can't get up. Makes, up yeah. you know, it's I'm, like a turtle on his shell, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Goldust comes out on top there. Uh, Billy Gunn comes out and he grabs a mic to say, "That's what losing. Uh, sorry, that losing is what happens when you te- you stop teaming with Billy Gunn." And Bart just punches him and leaves. <laughs> oh man! But, oh, that's uh, uh, foreshadowing for the uh, Brawl for All tournament uh, years later. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, that's what he's gonna get all, get all into. Um. So yeah, uh, we see footage from Buried Alive when Mankind and the Undertaker went head to head, and the Executioner went shovel to head on the Undertaker. Uh, and wouldn't you believe it, Will? I don't know if you heard about this. There is a no holds barred match between Undertaker and Mankind tonight. Not sure if you're aware. I think they mentioned it last week. I don't remember. It's happening, Will. Okay. Um, we go it's to the back. Zebakaya is with Bradshaw. He's babbling about how he was in Vietnam for some reason. Uh, I think it's Jesse James was in Kuwait. Uh, he was in Vietnam for 11 months and 27 days. Oof. Okay. Uh, didn't have a good time there. I'm going to guess if he's counting the days. Uh, <laughs> Bradshaw cuts in time. to say J- Jesse James is a fool for getting into a handicap match with them. Every promo in 1996 needs to end with the most obvious thing in the world, where if you're, yeah, <laughs> and I'm going to win the WWF Championship, we're going to say he's going down <laughs> to us. Like it's it, ha- you have to do that, or else the fans won't understand what's happening. You have to end by just being like, look, subtext is stupid. I know people use subtext; they're all cowards. Just have to say outright WWF Championship match. I don't remember Bradshaw speaking that much as the Justin Hawk character, but right? it is entertaining to hear him talk uh before he dyed his hair all black 
Uh, his hair's been through a lot, by the way. This yeah. man, this man's been through a lot of looks, and then eventually just became a guy. <laughs> his hair mm-hmm. just kind of cut, and wearing a suit, just like a um, soft piece, of, soft head of hair on a guy. Yeah, very soft. Yeah, it's lovely. Will, it is time for Milton Bradley's Karate Fighter Holiday Tournament, The Road to Karate Fighter Monday. <laughs> you memorized that. You didn't write that down, did you? The full title of that. Um, <laughs> one of the fighters. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the thing, folks, where they're doing a Rock'em Sock'em Robots uh, game, as it's just what Karate Fighters is, and they're do- treating it like a tournament, like it's a real tournament that matters, but it's just a tie-in for an action figure thing they're doing now. This is what they did um, before video games became like you know a, th- a real thing. Like you could choose your fighter and you could choose your right. weapons, yep. and none of it matters because the your stupid plastic just bashes into theirs as you twist this red knob that your toy's connected to, and then one guy falls off. Yeah, that's and it. That's how you this tournament. This is this is even a best of three tournament. It's just like, yeah, you won in like eight seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> one of the fighters is named Samurai Ninja. What kind of like <laughs> exactly Samurai Friday Ninja. at four p.m. meeting are they having where they're just kind of like we got to come up with some karate fighters? Uh, Samurai Ninja, Cowboy Ninja, Ninja Ninja. Can we just move on? I just gotta go home. Can we stop? And when they when they please, I gotta go. Uh, uh, I gotta go watch Superstars on Sunday morning. Your Bart Gunn has an Intercontinental Championship match against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He might use uh, his deadly bulldog. The uh, the every time they go to the karate fight, it's like unbelievable, uncontrollable, and I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> is that what you want for a why, toy? You can't. Why are you advertising that? <laughs> you have no control over its movements. Like I think it's supposed you to, to have some play paper, over. rock, scissors. It's cheaper. All you need are hands. Uh, it is one of those. It is one of those toys. We look at it, and you, you might as well just have like subliminal messaging. They live style, where you say to parents, like, "It's some dumb crap for your kids. Just get it, move on." It's like it's like if you stick a GI Joe in a stick and make her move. Okay, just get Don't it for worry. your kids. Your kids will fight each other. It's going to be really loud and clicky, and then one of them's going to get upset, and one of them, quite frankly, is going to probably bat the other one on the head or something <laughs> for exactly. being for either crying when losing or losing. Or alternatively, if your kids are young enough, they'll start doing karate on each other, and you're gonna have to deal with that <laughs> the whole thing. There's gonna be a hole in the wall. Your Sega Saturn's gonna get broken. It's gonna be a big problem. Oh, you your, yeah, did you get your three free games? That's your free. <laughs> that is a sponsor later in the show. We'll just cover it now. Sega Saturn. They have one sponsor. Uh, they, you know, last time we covered uh, the SmackDown Six. This was a podcast we did in the same feed. Go back and listen to it, folks. They would consistently have three ads. Uh, this one, they have sometimes they have two ads, sometimes they have zero ads, sometimes they have one ad. It's like they can't even figure out like people who will sponsor the show. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, anyway, man, this Monday, that is to say, the Milton Bradley's Karate Fighter Holiday Tournament, the road to Karate Fighter Monday. Karate Fighter Monday. It's Jerry Lawler versus Sable in the finals. I believe it'll be in the ring, and we'll see what happens there. December seventh, uh, December sixteenth, nineteen ninety six. The day that will live in infamy. That's right. They actually got FDR out to, to uh, record that. <laughs> was he still so, alive at the time? He was, yeah, he was there. there. FDR famously still alive in 1996, of course. Uh, <laughs> oh, <no>. Very much. <laughs> he just wrong. stopped being president in 1944 for fun. He was like, ah, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Stop being the so, so, so I thought he just made himself like Norm McDonald. Ah, I'm fine. I don't want to do it anymore. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because it, uh, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, no, no. Yeah, he died in 1945. I'm a, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next up. <laughs> Justin Hawk, Bradshaw, and Zebekai are in a handicap match against Jesse James. Ooh, uh, let's see Jesse James's branding on his arm. Ooh, we'll have to see it. Yeah, this is from uh, last week. Jesse James went up against Bradshaw. Zebekai uh, got involved and uh, and cheated. And Jesse James was like, you know what? Fine, I'll take on both you guys. 
Um, this match, really, what the, the deeper story of this match, of course, is that it's you against your thumb to see if your thumb can resist turning the channel to WCW or anything else. <laughs> That's what this match is. I like turning the channel. I'm pretty sure now a TV with one of those dials. Yes. Really good at like, ah, maybe we'll turn, guess what? Maybe if I turn it over, Sting will be in the rafters and they're in like Pensacola, Florida, and, and uh, Heenan's going to be half half in the bag. I'll go on Terry. I'll have a good time with this. It's almost uh, a thousand percent guarantee that's true. Jesse James, who is uh, later comes as known as Road Dog, he he sings alone with my baby tonight on the way to the ring. Only today, great tune. He sings, "I'm gonna be alone with you and Zebekiah," and he and gets he, him right away. I mean, I guess it's like it's a handicap match, but it's like Justin Hawk Bradshaw and his like very old manager, who uh, yes, you know, obviously was a worker back in you know, whatever forever ago. I think he bumps right. That's just meant yeah. a wrestler too, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he's a guy up against yeah this guy and his dad basically. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like me and my my dirty uncle are gonna beat you up. <laughs> my uh, dirty uncle. Why yeah, I don't know. He just seems like a dirty uncle. I don't know he seems like a dirty man. He's got the gross yeah. facial hair. He does seem like he'd be smelly. At what point in this match, Bradshaw just waves in Zeb to double team Jeff uh, Jeff Jarrett. I wrote Jeff, double J here. Jesse James. He just yeah. waves Zeb in to double team the guy, and the referee just counts to five. He doesn't even he doesn't even say like don't do that. And so Bradshaw just waves him in and says, hey, get in here and do this. Um, <laughs> now, I don't know if you're aware about this, Will, but there is a no-holds-barred match between Taker and Mankind tonight. They bring <laughs> up again. Uh, JR, talking about the WWF title match between Bret Hart and Psycho Sid at In Your House, It's Time this weekend, he says the match will be a stem winder. To which I say, what? What? <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Gonna be a stem winder, folks. I don't. I maybe look it up. I couldn't tell you. I think it's. I think he's trying to say watch the show, but it sounds incredibly boring. A stem winder. Sometimes he's just too Oklahoman for his own good. Like yeah, weirdly opaquely Oklahoman, and to an extent that you're like, dude, you know that we don't know what that is, right? Like you have to know we don't know that. Um. Yeah. Jim Jim Ross is complaining about the referees in WWF because he is a heel here. And he suggests he should talk to Gorilla Monsoon about conducting a seminar for referees here. Uh, and Jerry says he used to be a referee, which is true. It was part of his story is that he was a referee back in the day for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, Bradshaw, he's got Jesse James. He's holding Jesse James up for Zebekai to hit him with a brand, but you'll never believe it. Jesse James moves. Bradshaw gets hit with a brand, and Jesse James pins Bradshaw for the win in this handicap match. Um, and after the match, Bradshaw attacks Zebekai, clubbing him. With the as yet unnamed clothesline from hell, and then branding him, and I think that I I don't know if it's Jim Ross or Vince McMahon, but one of them gives him a lot of grief for like being a bad dude for attacking Zebekiah. But it's like Zebekiah is also a bad dude. Why are you guys so mad at him for this? Yeah, you should just be like, oh, okay, that's what you get, I guess. It's good. It's like this evil manager you beat him up. You're not gonna be like, ah, oh, how dare he? He's he's beating up Slick. That would yeah, be, that would be that bad. Leave the weasel uh, alone. Um, when he's <laughs> when he brands him, he does smear it a little bit too, which is kind of funny. Uh, this this makes it even more obvious that it's just ink. It's just on ink. A yeah, they, stick. they want us to believe I, Jesse James. I think last week he just like a kind of like a like a recoil thing as if he's actually branded. Uh, and then here, it, but it's very clearly just like a marker or paint or something like that. And so yeah, we get some smearing here too. That just means well, his skin uh, is burned and smearing, which is that's extra bad. Oh, that's extra bad. Yeah, right, you don't okay. have smeared skin. Yeah. You don't get the burn smear. Um, and then, you know, Will, we talked last week about how Raw was like kind of a bit loose here. We see Bret Hart backstage for about five seconds and we go to commercial. <laughs> That's it. He's just there. Now, of course, the, the next segment is Bret Hart being brought out for an interview with Jim Ross. And Bret comes out. He's got a jean jacket with his picture on the back. And I was like, this rules. No notes. 
rules so much. It's got WWF on the on the right uh, breast, the Hitman like the crosshairs logo on the oh. left. I'm like, and what oh, color man. are they? Will what color is the the the, the font? Oh, they're 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 pink. They're both pink. Pink yeah. on denim. Nineteen ninety six, folks. Man. Yeah, it's a great look. Uh, Brett says things in WWF are crazy right now, and uh, Jr. Then lays out what happened, which has to be ADR'd. Yeah, because he's talking. Jr. is essentially. If you're watching the show, you're like, "Oh, Jim Ross is narrating what happened at a house show in London, England." But that house show in London, England happened after this episode taped, and so yeah. all you see is like the events of what's happened with Jim Ross talking over it. And it's also very clear they could have just easily edited Bret Hart saying things are crazy and then talking and saying I'm going to face Psycho State for the title, and then just to fit in Jr. talking about it. Yeah, it's like uh, we, we, we 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 did something on the SmackDown Six podcast where like Paul Heyman narrated a thing. Yes, but. He like narrated it like, like perfectly s- to the second, right? Like to the, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just hard to believe that he would be standing in the ring watching a video, and like nailing it the first yes. time because he'd <laughs> be like, saying, and then it. Brock, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, and then Brock hit him with the thing, you know, that that's how, that's probably how it would really be. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so he lays the whole thing out. Uh, Bulldog saved Brett from being attacked by Steve Austin after a match with Owen Hart, uh, and then. Uh, Brett saved Bulldog in London, but then Brett got attacked by Psycho Sid in London. He got choke slammed there, uh, and Brett Brett says, "Look, said you sometimes you snap, but when I snap, I get called WWF champion." Yeah, and he promises, call him Psycho. Well, we need more of your Brett impression because it's bang on. You got you. There's something about I don't know what it is. Well, there's a region of North America that you kind of have <laughs> locked down. You've got like a Calgary to Minnesota. <laughs> the Great Plains sort of thing. Like, you got that one absolutely. Na- I, do you have a good Seth Rollins? He's kind of from, you know, Iowa in there. Feels Come like- on! That's my okay. Seth. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's what works for me. Um, yo, Will, you still there? Yeah, oh, exactly. I can do that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, modern classic, a new, a new meme. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the new meme. You talk about your Bret Hart's impression. Let's talk about your Bret Hart impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. You don't have one. Oh man, what a reason to be called a bitch ass that would be. Um, yeah, Brett. Brett promises to excellently execute Sid. I appreciate him, uh, you know, living up to the, being the excellence of execution. Uh, Will, breaking news tonight: there is a Neil Holds Barred match between Taker, Undertaker, and Mankind. I don't want to alarm you, but that's a match that's going to be taking place. I mean, that's crazy. I think you should get on the phone and call somebody, as Vince will say later on tonight. Oh, I love that. I love. I love the idea. It's of being so like, desperate. It's oh, so, so desperate. It's like, please tell. It's it's like the Arrested <laughs> Development gag. It's uh, the narrator. Please tell your friends about this show. <laughs> Look, we finally have a main event. We would you, you would actually have somebody watch. So please just watch it. Also, funny thing, like a bre- like a, a Mankind versus Undertaker no holds barred match. Like literally every Raw. In ninety nine and like ninety eight, ninety nine is like that's that's pretty much the main event every week. It's just so right, yeah, absolutely insane schmoz. I just love the idea of like uh. being at home too and like calling your friend, like, hey man, I don't know what you're up to, but uh, you should turn on the USA Network. Hey buddy, be I, a... I know you're not on the internet right now because I can call you on the phone. Uh, between eighteen and thirty four, you are right. <laughs> I thought so. You gotta watch. <laughs> also, if you could do me really solid afterwards, you could just purchase a Sega Saturn before Christmas. That would be that would do wonders for the uh, World Wrestling Federation Entertainment and Titan Sports Limited <laughs> Titan Sports Corporation and Incorporated in nineteen anyway. Uh, <laughs> Sponsored by Ico Pro. Yeah, the acclaimed slam of the week. Just Ooh. sorry, just just to be clear. Yes, I don't mean, here we go. I don't mean Max Caster. 
And <laughs> no scissoring involved. Okay. Would the acclaim, acclaim the video game manufacturer, not the guys from AEW. This is a slam of the week because Acclaim made a, uh, I think it was WWF in Your House, which is a PlayStation game, which is very much forgotten. But it's a exist. very arcadey game where, like, yeah. you kind of, it's like almost like a street fighter. Like, you're like throwing yourself at each other. And this, I think, like, you hit Yokozuna, like, though. chickens it, go the... flying or something. Yeah, there, there was, was one. Uh, and, like, Doink was in it. Yeah, they didn't want, I think it was for Super Nintendo or something. But then they did a sequel, mm-hmm. which was this. And it's, yeah, it's the exact same thing. It, it's it's uh, Mortal Kombat, but yeah, with, with chickens. It's it's new generation Mortal Kombat. Anyway, it's very funny. We're not too far away, or maybe we've. No, because the, the Nintendo 64 just came out a couple of months ago at the time of the this airing. So uh, I think in the, in the next year we get WCW for NWO Revenge and then World nope, Tour. World Tour, World Tour first and then Revenge. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that, that's the one with all the factions on it, with just like the four of them just standing around. On the oh. cover of the game. <laughs> man, oh, man. Uh, Just want to say, Amazing folks, games. I recently found something that could, this could potentially ruin my life. Um, we've gotten to the point with uh, technology and the internet that people, you can actually go to websites and play N64 games in your browser without right. downloading anything using your keyboard. It is janky, but wrestling games are really good for playing on your keyboard because you can kind of be janky and make it work. So I've been right. playing No Mercy. I've been playing Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. You can play World Tour. You can play Revenge on your browser. I, if you Google Virtual it, you will Pro find Wrestling it. Wrestling too. There it is. Yes, Odo Kishio. Yeah, you will find it. But I do. I be. I'll be honest with you. If you if you like those games, your productivity might take a steep nosedive because is it that is Giant Baba amazing. on the cover of that. I believe so. Yep. With Vader. Baba, yeah. Yep. Giant Baba. Very, very good. Giant Baba. That game has like a lot of like kind of generic shapes. And the Giant Baba guy has. It, they've just made it exactly like him. He's got this weird kind of body shape, and you'll never see it again. Oh, okay. It's got like every. Uh, like Japanese mm-hmm. promotion in it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> some of them have to do stuff. Well, we have to. Virtual Pro Wrestling Two is a lot of fun, and if you can make it, if you can figure out the, some of the translation stuff, it's like pretty much rules. This game also features uh, the executioner himself, Terry Gordy. Terry Gordy. One last thing I'll say before we get back to the show here is that uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling Two includes super finishers, where <laughs> if you use, if you play No Mercy and you get your spirit meter up and it's blinking, you press it and you get your special. It's a special, special, special. And you can do that like three times. Once a match, when you uh-huh. have a special, you can do it again. And instead of it being yellow and blinking, it becomes red and blinking, and you unlock a new finisher you can do. For reasons that are unclear to me, Vader's finisher is like, I think, a powerbomb. And then his super finisher is like a, is literally Goldberg's jackhammer, which I don't know if he was doing at the time or not, but mm. they do the full-on uh, jackhammer from the revenge game. So that is it. That is a No Mercy Corner. Oh, same same engine as WWF WrestleMania 2000. Okay, all right. Yep. This game this game would rule. In fact, uh, apparently AJ Styles and Samoa Joe wanted to make the TNA wrestling video game uh, exactly like this game, uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling. Yeah, AJ Styles uh, has cited it's his all time greatest pro wrestling game. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's like that's like a pretty big wrestling nerd thing to say, but I I don't really blame him for that. Um, the one thing I will say is that you can unlock a special arena. I think it's a Tokyo Dome or what it is. But it's one of those arenas that has the ramp flush with the ring. And yeah. when you're outside the ring, you can throw the guy into the ropes when you're on the ramp. <laughs> Which is true yes. in, in the regular game, too, but it rules. It rules very, very hard. Folks, it's time for Mankind versus Undertaker. It's a no-hold-bars match. You might be wondering where this match came from. You have no idea why it's happening, but it's happening. It's a no-hold-bars match. It's very exciting. It's there. Get him a phone call, somebody. We get a promo clip. Mankind was in Dubai 11 days ago. They did a world tour in the Middle East. He just tosses sand on himself and says he wants to go home. And that's something that we needed to see. Crazy, squeaky, screamy voice that he can somehow muster out of his body. Oh, man. But before we get to the no-holds-barred action, will we take a commercial break when we're back? 
with the two dweebs, George and Adam. They're hanging out at the Alamo Dome. This is an ad thing they're doing where there's just two guys who got to the Royal Rumble weeks and weeks earlier than they should be. <laughs> they find a big pair of boots in a locker room. They theorize these are Yokozuna's boots. Well, why is this? Why is it weird they, they think these are Yokozuna's boots? Well, I mean, first of all, how do they get in the locker room? Well, no one's around, Will. No one's like, there. <laughs> they can go anywhere they want. They're saying it's some one person's locker room. Like, yes. I love this idea. And they do this on TV all the time where, like, they yeah. find a door with, like, you know, it says Goldberg on it or something. Knock on it. It's, like, their personal. Like, we're supposed to believe every wrestler has their personal dressing room. Except for not really because sometimes they go back and a bunch of guys are just, like, sitting around with, like, a shirt, a T-shirt on a, a hanger. Yes. So they, they're they guessing whose locker room this is. Could be Bret Hart's. Could be Shawn Michaels. Could be Psycho Sid's. Um, yeah. I think they say it's either not big enough or something for Sid, which is yeah. ridiculous. It's like a what do they play? The a stupid question. What do they play at the Alamo? Like football? This is like a football stadium. Yes, it ends I know up. They do it, basketball there too, right? For they like might the have the. Uh, it was the home of the American Association of Footballs. Um, uh, uh, what was their team called? <laughs> San Antonio, like Rampage or whatever. Uh, I, that's that's the AHL team. But anyway, the football team for the AAF they played there. So I saw a couple right. games there. American as heck is what that stood for. So That's they're it. they're guessing, and they say it's Yokozuna's boots. It's just a big. They it reminds us a size nineteen. It's just a big white boot, mm-hmm. and one of them says, "You know what Yokozuna does in these boots?" And the camera's real close to him, and he says bad things. And his buddy says, "They can't be Yokozuna's boots because he doesn't wear boots in the ring. Everybody knows that. You're an idiot." And yeah. That's it. Hundred percent. The other important thing about this, of course, is that Yokozuna has wrestled his last match in WWF already. Yokozuna's gone. Right, yeah. So funny they're using him to promote stuff. He's like, he won't even be at Royal Rumble. He's nowhere. He doesn't get out of 1996. He's just not there. He's not there. He doesn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We see, we then see a clip from SummerSlam. Uh, This is back from the, uh, the, uh, Boiler Room Brawl match again. (laughs) I forgot the name of the match. They put TVs Um, at ringside. I don't know if I talked about that. Yeah, you gotta bring that up again. Um, yeah. Mankind fell back first on the concrete from the apron, and it looks just sick. <laughs> Devastating. So well, gross. he fell off a ladder onto like a box, but the box is also like mostly crushed already. So it, and covered it's with just, big pipes or something just, too. Yeah, <sighs> it's just Mick Foley taking some stiff bumps, just That's stuntman moves with no padding. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, Jr. says, <clears throat> and I'm gonna quote him here. We know that mankind would rather fight a man than make love make to a love woman. Love to a woman. Yeah, he says that. What? Why? Why do we know that? We don't. We know that. Is that what we know? Because he's trying to essentially get across like this guy loves to fight, but it's like it's weird. It's like why don't you bring sex into a share? Is this <laughs> before he did the interviews with him too, where he's talking about like. You know, it's like I, all he the does, kids made fun of me. Yeah. I, I, I I ate worms, and he, can, Jr. Can you can you tell me how many girls want to kiss a boy with worms on his breath? Not too many. Yeah, I think that comes in like later on, right? Maybe close. To if like he, I think he might have done some introductory ones though too, Will, because I know he definitely has other ones. Um, with when they're bring, introducing like dude love and stuff like that, I think it might be those might have been early ones. Like you, you might be right, that might have already happened. He had like a, a pet rat or something as well. Yeah. He, the early this, ones of mankind were extremely frightening. He was just sitting in a dark room and he's yeah. saying like, "What happened to my ear, mommy?" And like, "Have a nice day." And it's just like, "What's wrong with this guy?" Yeah, it is very distressing. Uh. Yeah, so Taker, when he gets to the ring, Undertaker, he takes a swing at J- uh, Paul Bearer. But Paul Bearer evades, he gets attacked by Mankind. Uh, Taker gets a rope walk, and he nearly gets a tombstone on Mankind, but down comes the Executioner, who distracts the Undertaker. Uh, Undertaker I, falls executioner, and he takes a commercial break. 
I didn't mention this about the executioner last week, but I want to say uh, he's, he's obviously his costume looks stupid. It looks mm-hmm. like he got it from the Spirit Halloween store. The mask looks really dumb. Big time uh, on Terry Gordy's big honking nose, like he's <laughs> yes. just. Looks stupid, but like not only does the mask look dumb, but the stupid hood with like the red frill that he wears looks stupid. The original uh, design for Kane, I think Kane had a cape. Uh, this actually is a photo of Kane wearing it at a house show. Right. Yeah. Uh, but like to me, the look of the executioner was perfected with Kane because they put that awesome mask on him. Yeah. Again, we talk about we talked about it last week how like Glenn Jacobs was just so jacked, he just exposed one gigantic arm with the glove on it. Um, the red, it's a little too red uh, when like all the lights come up and he's standing there and he's like just a big red dude. Uh, big red machine, almost so you could call him. But he looks—he right. looks amazing. It's basically like the executioner costume working. Is that you put this like leather mask over him that's uh, on him because he got burned, Matt, uh, in a fire. But we'll get to that eventually in the show. We will. Uh, we, during the commercial break, we see that weird uh, Freddie Blassie "Little Boy" WF Full Metal album ad from yeah. we talked about last week. Just kind of creepy and weird. He's just some kid dancing for Freddie Blassie. Uh, <laughs> listen back to the last week's episode if you wonder what that is because it's, it's weird and I don't want to talk about it anymore. But we see it like eight times probably in the next like few weeks. Good album though, but just weird, mm. uh, weird commercial. It's like an AW show. It's banger after banger after banger. That's right. Yep. Uh, we come back and Undertaker uh, retakes control by slamming Mankind's head into the steel steps. Then he starts to work over Mankind's hand to try to take out the mandible claws. This is where... JR also lays out the rules for Undertaker's match against execution the executioner at in your house. It's time this Sunday it is an Armageddon rules match. He says it's no DQ, no submission, unlimited falls. It ends when the ref decides one competitor can no longer continue. I don't believe that's true. There is a 10 count involved. He doesn't even mention it here. Unlimited falls. So why would you take the time to like pin a guy if it doesn't matter? I'm pretty sure it ends up being it's kind of ends up being like a Texas death match where you pin the guy and then it starts a 10 count. Uh, but that's not what JR is describing here. It's Texas death match. I it's weird. Not Armageddon seen rules. Many of these. They like came up with the name of it and they didn't want to come up with the match itself. Probably. Cause they're like, well, it <laughs> they sounds, get, they cause, the... cause if, if you didn't see hell in a cell and I told you that was an Armageddon rules match, you're like, oh, that makes sense. It was a big horrifying cell. I bet there's like weapons in it. That could be, you could call that Armageddon rules. That's right. If you're going to call anything that sure. Uh, uh, outside the ring, Mankind lays Undertaker's ring on an open chair, and he jumps from the apron onto that leg with an elbow. And JR yells that he heard something pop. So G- Undertaker's yeah. leg is hurt. But, of course, JR has to make it like, oh, I heard a pop. J- Undertaker's got to lay there selling while JR is just, like, yelling at him, like, I heard a pop. Yeah. Um, Man- uh, Taker slams Mankind on the Spanish announce table. We go to our final commercial break here. Uh, and uh, we come back. Uh, Mankind grabs a chair and brings it into the ring, but Taker kicks it. Uh, it's weird because the referee's distracted by Paul Bearer for this, but like it's obviously not necessary. Yeah, like, you it's happened this, a eh? bunch this match actually. Yeah. Paul Bearer is distracting the ref, and it's like you don't have to do that. Is it possible this was just a match, and then in the promotion when they uh, taped it all, they just added they called it a no holds barred match? I wonder if we hear Finkel saying the falling contest is a no holds barred match. I mean, in, I in, 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 in short, we'd have to see him say it because otherwise, um, you, you could easily it quite easily yeah and they, they show finkel on the screen i think zero times so far right so i mean all the more reason to think yeah he didn't anyway so that's that's a conspiracy theory for you folks that they just t- did it as a match and they said well i'll say no holds barred even though you know it's a little bit chaotic out there but who knows chaotic uh, and loose that's right yeah uh taker goes for a tombstone but his knee hurts so mankind pops down and he gets a mandible claw on taker 
Taker starts to fade, but he manages to lift Mankind over his head and drop him on the turnbuckle behind him to get out of it. And then Taker, after that, he hits a tombstone, and the referee, Earl Hebner, slow counts. Why? I I wrote my notes. I'm like, dude, there's no ref bump, Earl Hebner. There's no reason for you to do this. Like, like truly, Will, an, like a slow count that you would get when you're like crawling down as a referee, but instead, Earl Hebner does the thing where he telegraphs the drama by taking half as long, sorry, twice as long, rather, to count three. It's so weird. It's, it's like almost if he took like two or three ref bumps in a match or something. That right. He's so hurt that he is, his right arm cannot move faster than the cadence of bit, bit, bit. Just do, just, just, Earl, please. You're supposed to be this great heroic referee we all love, uh, but you're not good sometimes. You do some really stupid things and it's annoying. Uh, and so Undertaker wins, but oh no, Will, here comes the executioner. And he That's gets awesome. his, his his Asian spike submission on the Undertaker, which is essentially putting his thumb into your neck. And JR tells us it's 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 like a sleeper hold, and Taker is getting worn down. And, um, and the Asiatic um, spike, he calls it, right? The Asiatic spike, thank you. Um, also, I was just told that, that you uh, can't use submissions at that pay-per-view match, so I don't know if it's going to help the executioner that much. That is one move we've seen as a submission. <laughs> I mean, you could use a submission. It just won't, like, a it won't sub- matter. Like, You're allowed to do if it. If he submits, it won't count. It won't end the match. Uh, right. Uh, and, yeah. and with Taker in the a- Asiatic spike submission, his eyes start to glaze over and we go off the air. Buy the pay-per-view, folks. Please. Yes, the go home for it's time, mm-hmm. by the way. Big time. It's it is time. For- cable or satellite <laughs> provider. Yeah. Get that oh, man. box. Will, you are in your house, and Will, it is time to give me your final thoughts on the show. I'd love to know what you thought of the show, and I'd love to get your rating. Will, we use we have a three-tiered system here for the Hitman's Last Great Year uh, to say if something was bad, you would say it's in the dungeon. If it's kind of, eh, not bad, not great, uh, you would say it's in the Nightheart Zone. If you thought it was good, Will, you would say it's a TBT, ITBT, WTBTEWB. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Will, your thoughts on the show and your rating, please uh yeah again this is like this is all right uh i give it the night heart zone it's not egregiously bad the main event is you know pretty good i guess uh although we're still yeah unclear about uh, the no holds barred uh, situation there uh so yeah if you want to see Hunter helmsley get uh, the crap beat out of him i recommend it but uh, for me it's the night heart zone yeah i think that's fair i was kind of debating it but i think i settled on in the dungeon because the brett promo yeah. is fine and yeah. the no holds bar match is good, but everything else is like, who cares? Uh, yeah. And so totally. that's that is uh, in the dungeon for me. Yeah. There you uh, go. And so that is it for this episode of Raw. But folks, we have ourselves a bonus match, and it it is a very significant one. We're talking about Bret Hart versus Ric Flair for the WWF World Championship from October 1992. And so I want to share the context and then the reason for picking this match. And so, Will, the context is this is a uh, this is the second reign for uh, Ric Flair as a WWF world champion. He beat Randy Savage for the the title on an episode of Primetime Wrestling in September 1992. And as far as I can tell, that that episode of television, that match in its complete form, is not available on the WWE Network or at Peacock, which is completely absurd to me. WWE, if you're listening to this, and there you are, you have to have your WWF and WWE world title changes on the network. I know at you, the very maybe, least, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe you don't have the stuff from the seventies. Okay, I can make do with that. If you you have to have those, like primetime wrestling was a show that came out. You have some primetime wrestling on the WWE Network, but that September episode is not there. You can watch a clip of it. I watched a clip from the the, the last four minutes of the match available on there when Razor Ramon uh, saunters out and 
uh, puts the finishing touches on Randy Savage before he gets put in the figure four. But um, that's it. Now, Will, um, I encourage you to watch that little segment as well because there's another Hebner doing a weird count. I believe it's Dave Hebner. And Randy Savage is in the figure four for a long time, and he kind of, like, passes out. And instead of doing, like, the raise the arm three times sort of thing, he just, like, Randy Savage is laying there, and Dave Hebner counts one. He waits, like, four seconds. He counts two. Four more seconds. He counts three. He's fully, like, awake. Like, he's fine. Like, like this referee is not knocked out. It's completely bizarre. I don't know why he does it. And Ric Flair is your WWF world champion again for the second time. The slow counts run of the Hebner family, I guess. Oh my gosh, I can't even think. I'm surprised Brian didn't take 40 seconds between his pinfalls at some point. Be next generation and be more concentrated down the bloodline. That's right. Well, hopefully, if you are the son of somebody, you aren't. It's not getting more concentrated as it goes down the bloodline. The whole point of having children is that it gets it gets diluted. So diluted. That if you have. Yeah, anyway, just an important thing for, for that, that sort of thing. Um, and I'll just say, the reason for picking this match, um, you know, I want to talk about this particular match in early episodes of this podcast because Brett wins the World Championship for the first time and wins the WWF Championship here. Um, this is also a longer bonus match, and we're talking about one-hour Raw, so I want a little bit of time here to make that work. Um, and Bret Hart has a WWF Championship match coming up at In Your House. It's time, so it is thematically appropriate to talk about this match. And mm-hmm. so let's talk about it, Will. This is from the Smack'em Whack'em Coliseum videotape from April 1993. Um, there's an intro before this match with Gorilla Monsoon interviewing Bret Hart outside an arena. And Bret is there. He's got his title shined up very, very nicely. It's, like, completely gorgeous. And Gorilla Monsoon says, look, people have been demanding this match. They've been writing to Coliseum video since it happened, asking to see this match, which is so funny to be like, man, can you believe people wanted <laughs> us to see a world title change hands? It's like, yeah, guys, they wanted to see I it. just love, like, they wrote to Coliseum home video because that's what you had to do. Vince McMahon says, pick up the phone and call somebody. This match is going on. Pick yeah. up a pen and write to Coliseum home video. That's uh, it. Wonder you, know, you don't hear on the superstar sports. line. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we have uh, – let me see here. Yeah, so Brett says he dislocated his ankle and sprained his finger in this match. Uh, and also, since then, Ric Flair has also said he was like he had some weird equilibrium thing in his ear. So both these guys say this match isn't good, and we're going to see if that's true. But both, like both Ric Flair and Bret Hart, are like, yeah, it's not a good match. It's not too bad. And so we go to the match, and uh, we have a bit of an odd setup here because the hard camera is facing away from the diagonal entrance. It's like kind of like behind it to the left, which is a bit unusual. Yeah. Uh, but it does the, whatever the show is. You know, it has a video board which reads Coliseum Video when Bret Hart comes out before it switches to his Bret Hart proto titantron and so just to be clear this is not a house show with dim lighting it's a proper tv shoot even though it, it says primetime wrestling in the rafters right okay so we yeah, prime, it, it would be like an episode of primetime wrestling even though this was this match to be clear was not on primetime wrestling so strange i, I do i do not understand why but it's a full production co- uh it's mm-hmm. a full production including cameraman number five yes who gets name checked during the match uh when lord well, that, that's Hayes as far as that's as far as his name gets checked yes um, something I should say up front right away, I worked at this arena for a while. Uh, this was, yes. the, this was uh, at the time it was Sask, Sask Place when they had this match. When Sask I was there, it was the Credit Place. Union Center. It is mm-hmm. now the Sastel Center. It is a big concrete arena in the middle of an industrial district in North Saskatoon. It sits, seats 15,000 people. It was ostensibly built to try to lure the St. Louis Blues away from St. Louis to go to Saskatoon, which is hilarious to think about. Really? Yeah, that's wow. Old, that's, they tried really hard to do that. Um, yeah. I did have season tickets as part of working there, uh, working for a WHL team that was housed in the arena. They give you, the, hey, we want your season tickets. I'm like, oh, sweet. And so uh, I think they would be left of the hard camera here, if I'm not mistaken. 
That's so I would have I would have amazing seats for this match. <laughs> yes. And when I worked in the arena, I did definitely there. think about the times where like Bret Hart won the belt in this arena, and I could, I could walk in and have supper and you know have lunch in the stands. And be like yeah, the Bret Hart won the world title right there. How crazy! That's is that? not nothing, you know. I hey man, I currently live in the city where uh, New Blood Rising uh, took place. I mean, hell, hell yeah, <laughs> international incident too, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Bret Bret's got pink tights with a black top, which I think is the same as the, my. Uh, I it's his Bret most Hart iconic figure. look, yeah. I think. Like that. This is this is. I mean, he looks amazing. Ric Flair comes out with a world title. He's got a black robe. He's wearing red tights, boots, and knee pads, and he's accompanied by Mister Perfect, who's wearing a perfect turtleneck. Ah, uh, the I want this. He's and it's got like Mister Perfect all glittery on the back. Yes. Uh, Brett loves uh, Kurt Henning, by the way. Brett doesn't oh, yeah. like Ric Flair all that much. Uh, it doesn't like his style of matches. He calls him like 30 minutes of nonstop non-psychology. But Brett uh, <laughs> Brett loves uh, Kurt Henning. Yeah. There's a lot of love there for the guys. Who, again, kind of in that uh, Great Plains kind of uh, part of North America. There. He loves the Minnesota guys, yeah. He loves them. So Brett works Flair's arm early on here. And uh, that's like, okay, sure. Um, he teases a sharpshooter after a back body drop on Flair, but he stomps him in the gut instead, which is a classic Brett move. He teases the sharpshooter very on in the match. Mm-hmm. Um Brett continues to work the arm. I think it's a little long in the tooth how long he works the arm for. I'm like, okay, his arm it's is. It's an hurt. odd. It's odd psychology too for yeah. Brett to to work a arm like he doesn't have an arm submission. I mean, I guess didn't he work the arm in some uh, against Steve? No, but it's like you know if you hey if you if you uh, wear a man's arm down then he can do less damage to you. Uh, he can't pick you up. He can't do this. It's like, okay, yeah, I guess it makes you sense. You do kind of need the arm to do a figure four leg lock. I mean, obviously, the most of the work is the legs being locked, but you do have to use... The locking the, with the legs, yeah. You've gotta, the, you do have to grab the leg to begin with. You can't just do, you can't just kind of squeeze your legs in there like some sort of weird arrival it's hard to do with one. It's hard to do with yeah. one hand, a figure four leg drop, I, I would say. Although, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, Flair tosses Bret Hart outside, and when Bret comes back in with a sunset flip, to get some extra leverage, he pulls the back of Flair's tights down, and we see the full Flair buns for, for a significant amount of time. We see full Flair butt. I almost think that Brett put his hand up to, like, cover the crack, like, from the hard camera. I, I, I mean, hey, he's excellent at execution. He's, he can know how to do this. Uh, Monsoon says they were X-rated for a second there. Yeah. Which is like, I don't think, we don't see that much of Ric Flair, thankfully, but we do see the full moon, as they say. It's just such a weird, it's such a weird commentary team, too. It's Monsoon and Lord Alfred Hayes. And uh, at some points during this WWF championship match where the title will change hands, they're just like talking. Just talking, yeah. No, there's no rush. No real, not a lot going on. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Nothing major going on. Don't worry, guys. Yeah. Flair gets going, though. He gets a knee breaker, kind of when you have a guy in the back suplex, but you drop his leg down on your knee instead. And they uh, he's, tra- he's trying to work towards a figure four here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then so Brett starts psychology. working on Flair's leg, and Brett Hart gets a figure four on Ric Flair instead. I'm like, oh, man, it's impressive. So uh, Ric Flair does get the to the bottom rope, and so Brett has to break the hold. Um, then Brett breaks a, a backslide for two. I'm like, man, I like a good backslide. It just seems like it'd be really hard to get out of that. That seems like yeah. you're just like I don't. You're in a kind of turtley position there. Your legs are up. You're you're. I don't know. It just seems like a good thing we're leverage. I just yeah. I like the black backslide too. Is like the hook his arm, hook his arm, and then just get on both knees and kind of like yeah, there you go. Like, yeah, it's kind of it, like it, it's not like a big like I don't know transition movers one where you like hook hook. Uh, it's just like yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it, there's a little bit of timber too. You're like, ah, timber. Like it's gonna take a while. Almost the longer it takes, the better it is, because you're like, oh, can you get it? That's um, right. Yeah. I want someone with a backslide today, 2022. I want to see that soon. Yeah. Come uh, on. 
Alfred Hayes says these guys have been going hammer and tong. I know I've heard that before. I don't really know the exp- what it means. I know that um, if you're hammering something in, you might use tongs to try to remove it. So I guess maybe they're just saying they're going at each other, trying to you know do the same task, which is beat each other up, and this is the whole thing. Yeah, okay, I'm sure. I can buy it. I can buy it. Uh, Ric Flair counters a sleeper from Bret Hart into a back suplex, and I'm just like, man, I just want to watch some early '90s more wrestling. I just want to watch '91, like oh, 1990 pay per views to '91, '92. I just want to watch that. I just, it's a it's a good place. It's a safe place. Things are right. Things are good there. Yeah, it's fun. Oh man. Um, Ric Flair gets a, a small package for two, and then he gets a double underhook suplex for two. And I'm like, have I seen Ric Flair do a double underhook suplex that much? Like, I've seen him wrestle a, a lot. I haven't, I haven't gone back and watched one of those like long, like uh, iron uh, hour long matches with Steamboat or a two or three falls. But like a double underhook suplex from Flair is not what I was expecting to see. And Rick is one of those guys. You know, if you've seen one Ric Flair match, you've probably seen them all. Like he gets all his to quote his Bret Hart, really is something he says. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, he gets all his stuff in, and uh, he gets quite a bit of it in this match. But I think Brett kind of cancels out a lot of the gaga. Uh, and Rick can still do his, like, yell at the crowd, shut up, fat boy, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Rick, uh, Flair gets a knee breaker again, but he holds onto the knee and grabs a figure four in one clean movement. So, essentially, it's like when he's got you off the knee breaker, he drops you down on it. He's still holding your leg, and then he just turns around your leg, gets you in the figure four. And... Brett's in the figure four, and the crowd cools down, and they get kind of excited again. But if you're in the crowd, don't you kind of presume Brett's going to submit here? Yeah. Because it's practically a house show, right? So you're like, well, they wrestled for a little while. Uh, the WF champion's in the ring here. We got Brett Hart here. Seems like we saw a good amount of moves. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, Brett tried, but uh, darn, he got caught in the thing yeah. that uh, the champion uses. And if he's champion, yeah, it's a it's a world killer, a world beater. He's got him. That's so. it. But, but Brett, he's raising his hand. He, he's, he's fighting it. He's fighting it. He ends up rolling the figure four, kind of changing the pressure. Famously, the figure four hurts completely the exact same, if you're, but opposite if you're upside down. Which everybody agrees, you know, Steve Austin's like, it makes no sense, but makes it's no wrestling, sense. It's, it's fine. Somebody should do something where they make their opponent get them in a figure four, and then they roll over, and that's their finish. <laughs> they lay down like, oh. They, they do it. Oh, no, I guess I'm in a figure four now. Uh, they uh, roll again, uh, but they're by the ropes, and so uh, they have to break the hold as well. Uh, Brett Flair goes for another figure four, but he kind of hot dogs, and so Brett rolls him out for a small package for two. This is Brett. This is one of the things I'll say about Brett too is that he was always very happy when he was. Um, he, he would be happy to win by roll up. He's just like, well, this is what you do. You, you got to win, so I'll, have, I'll roll you up. I'll get it sometime. Who cares? Like I should win that way. And people later on, be, oh, it's it's. it's I, I feel like that roll up kind of mentality has kind of gone away. But you're not looking for a cheap win. You just you have people to win think, somehow, right? People like, think it's a cop out. Like everybody wants the like hit him with your finisher maybe for the third time or yeah. something. Like oh, there's no way he's getting up for this. Like they want a definitive finish. But some of Brett's best matches, his match against uh, Roddy Piper at WrestleMania eight, his, ra- his match against Owen at uh, WrestleMania ten. You know these are great classic matches that end with like a good makes sense uh, bulldog was it was a yep. was a pin like that too where bulldog is just on him he's just like oh wait if i put my knees on his shoulders that's uh, the SummerSlam 92 and these things all make perfect sense yeah and you Bret- got a way to beat a guy beat a guy it's bret hart is looking at this thing and being like what if what if in this wrestling match we were fake fighting each other what if we were actually trying to beat each other in a wrestling match that's his that's his approach to wrestling matches often that thing which is like what if we were trying to beat each other oh crazy concept but- 
by the way, Brett had a like a good amateur background that never gets brought up ever by anybody. But like he was a, a big time. Re- he was almost going to go to the Olympics. Like he was a big time wrestler. Yeah. That was the first time that like, Stu was really proud of him when Brett like went to this uh, wrestling tournament and uh, he was kind of skinny kid, right? Um, and he came back and Stu was like, you know, how'd you do? And he's like, oh, I won. And Stu's like, really? <laughs> like he's <just laughs> shocked that he that skinny Bret Hart won in this uh, wrestling uh, tournament, but. Yeah, Brett's a he's a shooter, man. That rolls. I love that as a dad being like, "Oh, that's cool. I guess. All right, maybe we'll we'll get you oh, out there." Maybe. Okay, because Stu had an amateur background as well. Like Stu, yeah, obviously, yeah. Stu famously, you know, would would uh, you know, if you get in a street fight, don't give the other guy your arm because he can twist it all around and you know. As if you'd ever get in a street fight with a guy and he'd stretch you down and give you the other <laughs> rings of Saturn and then he'd put you in the bell lock and then you get That's you in the... That's what they about Stu, right? Like, they say he's tough, but it's like, I think even Brett's like, well, it's not realistic. You have to, like, let him do it to you to, to yeah. start at least, right? <laughs> Especially, like, the sharpshooter. Like, I think even Brett says, like, it's nearly impossible to put somebody in the sharpshooter if they don't want to do it. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, if the, you wouldn't, again, you wouldn't bust it out of the street fight. Um, it, it's a move you got to, like, let a guy do. Same with the figure four, really. You can't be like, uh. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, where, where are we at here? Uh, you know, the small package for two. That's right. Backslide. Yeah. Um, no, backslide, the small package. package. Yeah. yeah. Pulse uh, Mac. Flair goes yeah. up top. Brett is on the map, but he pops up and flips Brett, uh, Ric Flair off the top rope. Classic Flair move. Uh, oh, yeah. But Brett kind of works in being a bit of a uh, uh, possum there. Was the yeah, it's another Bret Hart trademark, playing yeah. possum. Uh, Brett gets another back body drop. He's control the action. He gets a Russian leg sweep for two, which Gorilla calls a reverse neck breaker. I was, okay, Gorilla, thank you for whatever that is. Um, did you know that Gorilla Monsoon was considered a bad commentator at the time for like the smartened up wrestling community? Like, yeah, in- I guess I guess I can see that. Uh, He's such a classic guy, but like back in the day, right? Like observer guys would be like, he calls the moves wrong, which is like the greatest sin you can commit in the glorious art form of I, wrestling. I love He's being no a Gordon Soli. Good God! <laughs> like guys, it's like, it's fake. It's fake fighting. Back like, when they were like, look, when I watched wrestling back in the day, you'd have guys biting heads off of chickens. And you're like, yeah, you watched the carnivals, <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> there's a bearded woman there. Like, okay, I get it. Abraham Lincoln was world champion. It's fine. It's, um, uh, you know, and then like Vince, I mean, Vince is objectively bad, but I thought Vince was good back in the day. I was like, I, like I mean, I, I, I find Vince compelling as a showman. <laughs> uh, I think his, his, his calling matches is has something to be left to be desired, but there's some showmanship to it that I cannot deny. I think his like, let's keep it moving Ness and like, let's tell this the right story. Ness is a little transparent to me now that it kind of, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's, but it is entertaining. All right. Don't even, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, elbow drop from Brett from the second rope gets two. He also gets a suplex for two. And for Gorilla starts to give – he gives Brett grief for not going for the sharpshooter here. But, I don't know, just stay with it, buddy. Um, <laughs> give it Rick gets Brett in the corner, and he chops him. But then Brett drops the singlet straps, and he offers his chest to Ric Flair. Like, here, chop me. Go for it. He's practically no-selling these chops. Come on. Go for he, it. Yeah. He goes uh, – he gets a second rope superplex. On Ric Flair, the crowd goes wild. Then Brett goes. He grabs a sharpshooter from Ric Flair, but Mr. Perfect climbs on the apron. The ref waves him away. He turns back to Ric Flair, who's locked in the sharpshooter. Ric Flair submits. The ref rings the bell, and Bret Hart is the new WWF World Champion. And the crowd applauds Bret as he celebrates in that ring, and he gets the belt strapped around his waist and his arm raised. And that is our bonus match today. 
Um, oh man, yeah, that was yeah. it's a weird finish where it's like, oh, okay, here's perfect. He's gonna interfere. Okay. Oh wait, no, it's uh, super easy, barely an inconvenience. There he goes, and Rick taps out anyway. Okay. Yep. There he goes. That's that's what we have. Uh, yeah. Uh, not a five star classic. Uh, I think it was a fine match. I mostly, I think you mostly watch it for the history. If you're like a Bret, Bret Hart complete, complete, completist, completionist, uh, I think you kind of owe it yourself to watch him win the world title the first time. And it's also like, I want to watch Ric Flair versus Bret Hart. Like, yeah, exactly. If, if you're just getting into wrestling and you're like, who are the, you know, you're like, oh, this wrestling thing is pretty cool. Uh, now, you know, who else used to do it? It's like, well, Bret Hart is considered the greatest one ever. And so is Ric Flair. Did they ever match? They had a couple. Yeah. Yeah. You can watch Sold it. Sold out in 98. You still that I mean that's the one everyone remembers. Of course. Uh, <laughs> uh but you know, it, it's definitely worth uh watching for to see Brett win his first championship on the a glorified kind of house show in yeah. Saskatoon too, in front of the Canadian crowd. And Saskatoon was a stampede town. They would they'd make time. the towns, they'd go to Saskatoon. It was, that was a big you know, it was a big town for them. Yep. Absolutely. I think a couple of times they mentioned that Stu Hart had some Saskatoon roots. I don't know if that's fully true or what yeah, it was. Yeah, they did this. Yeah, they did this joke about Stu having a, a statue in some town in, in Saskatchewan that when they would go on the road and he has like a statue in this town. I forget what it's called. But if that was true, when I lived in Saskatchewan, I would have found it and I would have posed with it. That's true. Yeah, maybe it's, oh, it's, it's a rib. It's a damn rib. Uh, so for this match, you know, uh, using the same rating system as the show, I give it a light uh, TBT, ITBT, WTBT, EWB. So that would be the yeah. I, I I would do the same. I, I can't not give it that score. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it, uh, it's good. Could be better, uh, but uh, but it's good. You know, it's yeah. a Bret Hart match. Like, there's just not going to be like a bad. We're not going to cover WrestleMania 11, so it's not going to be like a bad bad one uh, that we ever cover on this show. I don't. Think. Not really. Uh, I mean, there's some that don't really hit, uh, you know, get get really going. But it's true. I mean, they, they, these matches are ultimately good. Um, and I mean, you know what? And I still get a visceral thrill when I see Bret Hart win a match and is described is is uh, WWF champion. It feels right. And it feels good. And I get I I feel strong within within me. It feels great. Was there like pyro after two? They could do that kind of like popping pyro. Maybe, maybe I would. Maybe that was too was. small. I think there was. Yeah. Um. But yeah, folks, that's gonna do it for this episode of the show. Next show that we're covering is WWF In Your House 12. It's time. This is when they would sometimes... 12. They would say 12. The 12th pay-per-view that wasn't a big four pay-per-view was the it's it was like In Your UFC. House. UFC. Yeah. So wait. Yeah, 12. So that doesn't mean the first one was in December. It means the first one was in, I don't know, sometime in 95. 95 at some point. Uh, there yeah. is no bonus match that time because In Your House, it's time. The main event is Bret Hart versus Psycho Sid. So we have a Bret Hart match we're covering uh, as is there. Um, yeah, if you want to follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, we're Smack Addict or Smack Addict Pod. We're going to encourage you to share a show with a friend if you think somebody would like it. Somebody's like, we like wrestling from this time. They want to have a reason to go back and watch it. Have them follow us there. Come on. Uh, and yeah, drop a review for us on Apple Podcasts as well because it will help us be discovered. Will Vaughn, my buddy, my brother, really, if you think about it. If you think about it, we are related by blood. Um, thanks for being on the show, man. Much appreciated. Matt, thanks so much for having me. Love going back and watching some Bret Hart classics. I have a feeling during the run of this podcast, I'm going to watch a bunch of stuff that I had uh, either not seen in a long time, had been meaning to. uh, So, you know, it's always nice to catch up with our buddy uh, Bret, who wrestled as Buddy Hart, I think, over in uh, Germany. There was another Bret Hart, or maybe England. But he was heartthrob Buddy Hart for a while. That's your little Bret Hart uh, uh, trivia uh, and then he became, I think when he started the WWF, he was that. And then he became Bret Hart and became the hitman and uh, the man we all know and love today. 
Yeah, I love. I, would, well, I mean, I wish Bret Hart was my buddy. It would be great. I would, I would love that. <laughs> or wrestle with a my buddy. Uh, I guess they were the Smashing Brawlers, whatever they were, the WCW dolls. Mm, yeah. Anyways, I digress. Uh, we got to get out of here. But yeah, thank you very much. Looking forward to the next time I get to Absolutely. talk heart to heart with you on this show. Well, next week, it's time. It's time. It's time to pay-per-view. Folks, you'll hear from us then. <laughs>